Welcome to the Catapulting Commission's podcast. This is the place where we discuss how to maximize performance and improve retention with today's modern sales force. Every conversation on the show has one goal in mind, and that is to catapult your commission. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia, international best-selling author, motivational speaker, and a lifelong sales enthusiast. Be sure to join me every week as we interview sales leaders and entrepreneurs from around the world. We will discuss best practices and ensure that you leave motivated and inspired to take action. Now, let's enjoy today's episode. Catapulting Commissions family, welcome back to this week's episode of the Catapulting Commissions podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Garcia. So, let's break this down, family. We have discussed so much over the past year and a half on catapulting commissions. We've talked sales leadership. We've talked uh, personal branding. We've talked financial savviness with your income. We have talked multiple sales topics and strategies from closing, negotiating, et cetera. Today's show, we are going to bring some high-level, impactful sales training to you. You're going to want to listen. You're going to want to mark this one, and you're going to want to rewind. I have with me today, Bob Lantum. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Bob. Bob has been a career salesperson. For the past 25 years, he has spent some time in B2B sales, a little bit of time in B2C sales. He has held various different roles, including the positions of sales leadership. He has helped run events, lunch and learns, everything you can do to influence the decision-making process Bob has experience in. Bob has branded out on his own and is now offering consulting and coaching services to highly impactful sales professionals. I'm glad to have Bob on the show from one sales guy to another, because when you get two masterminds together working, we collaborate. And so you will find some value as we discuss some true, tried, tested, traditional sales methods. Bob, welcome to the Catapulting Commissions podcast. Thank you so much, Anthony. I'm glad to be here. Pleasure to have you, Bob. So let's introduce you to the audience here, Bob. You have been in sales for 25 years. Can you give us a little, uh, little uh, depth and a little um, clarity on your background, please? Sure. So what my after my first uh, year in college, I worked on a roofing crew as a, a laborer. And that was like really hard, terrible work. So I realized I didn't want to do that anymore in the summer. So the next summer, I actually took a job in sales and I actually sold time sharing. And um, that was a being thrown into the fire, quick introduction to sales um, that, but it also got me my real estate license as a college student. So from there, I went on to um, continue my studies. And once I got out of college, um, I, I, got, I, I, re, I got back into sales and, and realized that, you know, that's where I fit. That's where I was best. And um, I've sold in everything from telecom, early uh, cloud ATMs, things like that, to um, in the business con- and uh, to consumer uh, selling luxury cars uh, with Mercedes and Porsche um, to services and uh, working for public-private partnership and um, selling 
almost predominantly to Fortune 500, even Fortune 50 companies. And um, along the way, learned a few tricks, learned a few uh, things that have uh, really helped me to grow quickly and um, catapult my commissions, if you will. I love that. I appreciate the plug there, Bob. Wow. I have to be honest, man. That is a very expansive and impressive career, right? And how you started your career in sales is how I started mine. I, I didn't do roofing, but I was a janitor for my church. And I spent a summer janitoring and a summer doing manual labor and landscaping for the church. And I, I left that summer saying I would never, ever, ever, ever do that. And I got right into my first sales uh, job selling Cutco Cutlery immediately after that. And, and, and uh, the road hasn't looked back for nearly the past 20 years. So you've went through timeshares, real estate, uh, telecom services, luxury car services, services, uh, high-end services to businesses. You have a little breath of everything here. Let's, I want to cherry pick a few things here. When you're selling a product, let's go with some of these B2C products, right? So I think of the original role selling timeshares, and you can even go in, and I would even articulate that car sales is B2C because it's directly to a consumer. You know, typically the person in front of you is making a decision. There's no board of directors. There's no budget planning. It's, it's an emotional purchase. So when you're selling directly to consumers, what is the reason that someone says yes and someone says no? And how do you articulate your sales strategy accordingly? So for me, Anthony, I, what I learned in, in uh, business to consumer sales is uh, our biggest mistake is that we think too much. And I'll give you an example. Um, after I did timeshare, I actually sold vacuums door-to-door uh, -to -door for Electrolux. And um, Electrolux was owned by a Fortune 500 company at the time, Sarah Lee Corporation. And I went out and I... I, I knew they would pay me to demonstrate them. So I sold, I went in and demonstrated the first seven doors I got in. I sold seven vacuums and I got a call from the CEO of Sarah Lee Corporation and said, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened. Nobody has ever done this. But my downfall was, Anthony, I, I thought about, well, what did, it, what did I do to make the sale? What did I say? What? The, the truth is the product sold itself. And, and that's when I started to think about what I did, that's when I had like a terrible drought and didn't have that success again, because I think that we often think too much. Like when I was in, in these houses and I thought, oh, I can just get paid to demonstrate them. I demonstrated the, the product and it was a good product. I was sweating. I was tripping. I broke people's lights and lamps and furniture. I spilled stuff on their carpet and everything else. But those vacuums sold because I allowed them to sell themselves. And, that, and I think that's a, a major problem, not just in business to consumer. I think also in business to business, we think too much about what do I do here? What do I say here? What do I do there? When more so it's about connecting with your potential client. It's about talking about what they want to talk about and um, not just about features and benefits and things like that. Yeah, I like I like what you're saying there, Bob, because I, I believe that we are our own worst enemy in sales because Absolutely. we're typically left, we're left by ourselves trying to say something. And just as you said it right now, right, the features and benefits, I know in my career as a sales manager, 
I've observed new sales reps running their appointment, trying to sell something, and they're so concerned with saying the next shiny whistle, the next shiny bell, that they didn't pause to hear what their prospect was, was telling them. They, they, they didn't even have a conversation. They were so set on wanting to read, quote unquote, for lack of better words, the sales manual. Yeah. So, so okay. So let's understand that. So, so we, we get out of your way, seven for seven Electrolux vacuums, which are phenomenal, by the way. Um, and, and I do, I do know my direct sales products. I you know, couldn't sell Cucka without learning about all the direct sales organizations, great products, but so how do you, how do you go from that? Right. And so I'm gonna get out of my way and Electrolux for lack of better words, is a great product. Typically, if demonstrated properly, it does a really good job at selling itself because it's, it's good. But how does that transition to something that maybe doesn't sell itself? Maybe let, let's go to the car business. You spent time working in car sales where that time, you know, a Mercedes or a Jaguar or, or a high end luxury car, they typically can sell themselves. But I just did a podcast episode late in November, did a whole blog with my experience of purchasing a BMW there's still a art of salesmanship. There's still something to be said for influencing that decision process. How would you influence that decision to be a yes when you are selling something where someone may be hesitant to say a no? Uh, that's a great question. And in, in selling luxury cars um, like a Mercedes or a Porsche or BMW, like you mentioned, they are great machines and they do, they can, they have the potential to sell themselves. But they, they also, um, it, it's, a, it's a difficult uh, sale in the sense that, for instance, the Porsche, Porsche drivers are, um, they're like crazy car nuts. And I wasn't allowed on the floor to sell a Porsche unless I took an exam every day. And I passed that exam with at least like a 95%. And and the and the reason why because a Porsche customer will come in and ask you about a, an alloy screw or something like that, and and I don't really care about an alloy screw. I'm not a car head like that. But at the same time, they care about that. So you have to be very knowledgeable, and you had to um, allow them to have the experience that they wanted. If they wanted to be car nerds, let them be car nerds. They they geeked out on Porsche geek out on Porsche. Now, Mercedes uh, customer, different, mostly business people, mostly getting the, the company as a company car for the business. And um, that was a whole different process. But, and they weren't generally nerding out about what kind of screw or what kind of air valve or anything like that. So you had to, um, I also had to be honest with folks in the sense that, and of course you have to be honest, but what I mean by that, Anthony, is that if I didn't think it was a good deal for somebody, I looked at them like my, I would my mother or my sister or my wife, my wife. And I would tell them, this isn't a very good deal for you. Risking them walking away, not getting a deal, knowing that in, in the long run that it would pay off because I would get referrals from those same people that walked away because it was a bad deal for them, but they would refer their friends, especially women. And when I sold uh, Mercedes in particular, probably about 70% of my customers were women because I, 
they came in oftentimes and intimidated from the dealership. And I, I like treated them like I would my mom or my sister or my wife. And I was very open with them. Like when I felt like this isn't for them. So I, I think it's, it's business to consumer, just like business to business. It's about relationships. It's about trust. It's about, um, you know, being willing to risk them walking out the door, knowing that, that day might not get you commission, but in the future, it's going to get you multiple commissions. Yeah, I, I like that. Like I said, I have said multiple times on air and I tell people, I mean, I, I think I said it to my employees as recently. I'm not here to make just one sale. I'm, I'm here to make a series of multiple sales. I actually, I'm like, I, I just had this conversation with a vendor yesterday who was uh, a vendor's trying to, trying to sell me a contract for my business that, uh, their event was canceled because of COVID. And so they're it's a 50% cancellation fee. They want to charge me. I'm like, look, you want to do business with me in 2022 and 2023. You're not going to charge me a cancellation fee because of COVID it just doesn't work that way. So, but that goes to the point of what you're saying. There's a certain time where a sales professional builds additional credibility by saying, this isn't the right deal for you. This isn't the right car for you. I wouldn't, this, this isn't something that you're going to want to take advantage of. When you take that pressure off somebody and you're like, Hey, I don't want to sell you this. It's not the right fit. You just, you, in my opinion, you just gained a customer for life. And like you said, it's multiple commission checks. Absolutely. So, yeah. So let's, let's dive in, Bob. So one of the things that I think people struggle with is when somebody wants to sell in this B2B world, we'll take a little transition to B2B and maybe it's more, it can be applicable to B2C. But when you want to sell like this big fish, this large whale, this big deal that can make your number for the year, can change your financial future for the rest of your life, whatever the situation may be, how does someone approach these big whales to sell business to when they're nervous, scared, and trying, you know, for lack of better, how do they not screw the opportunity up? Well, that, that's an interesting question because uh, I think it goes back to what I said about thinking too much sometimes. We worry about all these ancillary things, Anthony, that um, in the long run, they don't mean anything. Like I've, I've been at like uh, really nice high level events that I'm trying to network with the whales and the big fish and, um, and I'm going to try and uh, make deals with them later and somebody spills wine on me. And I got to, you know, I don't have like, I'm at an event. I don't have a change of clothes. I still got, I'm not going to run away and hide. I, I paid good money for the event. I'm going to, I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to, I'm going to be bold. I'm going to be vulnerable. So I, I think when you're approaching uh, big fish, whales, um, whatever the nomenclature is for them, um, you want to treat them like everybody else. They're, they're not wanting to be, people to come up to them as fanboys and fangirls and being all of them and be all tongue tied. They're, they're, they're people, <laughs> they're, they're successful and they're affluent and influent influential, but they, they're people just like us. And um, what I've found is uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to, to mention a, a specific artist or song on your show. Okay. So you said, okay. Yeah. Yep. So I think, if, if you want to um, see a great training video for sales and the psychology of sales, I would, I would recommend to any of your listeners that you uh, watch the Toby Keith video, I want to talk about me. 
And when you watch the video, you pretend that Toby Keith is your potential client. And you're his woman that he's talking about. And because that's what big fish, just like anybody else, they want to talk about me. And Anthony, I'm not talking about that old stale, hey, is that your kids in that picture? Of course it's his kids. It's not his neighbor's kids. Of course <laughs> it's his kids. And all he can say is yes or no, or she all she can say is yes or no. And then that ends. And there that I know people train that that's how you build rapport. That's not at all. But um, one thing I learned um, by happenstance, but it, it turned out to be a golden nugget that it was the goose that laid the golden egg was I'm sitting in the lobby of, of one of the top five biggest companies in the world. And I happened to see that their annual report is sitting there with the rest of the magazines. And I open it up and I look at their charitable giving and I see what, where they give to. So when I go up to meet with the, the, the president of, he was multi-divisional president in, in the fifth largest company in the world. So he was responsible for thousands of people. And, um, and I, it take me a long time to, to meet him and things like that to get with him. And I go in and I start talking about the charitable giving. And he was blown away that I took the time to find that out. And he gushed about it because what I learned in that moment, Anthony, is that usually the charitable giving that they, they talk about it is associated with that top leader. So he or she has a personal connection to that. If it's autism, maybe they have a, a child or a niece or a nephew or, or a neighbor who has uh, autism, something like that. So I found that that was like the key to uh, building rapport, not looking at people's pictures or, you know, their pennant from their college or something like that. It's what, what they give back to the world. And um, that to me was the thing that, um, once again, I want to use your your tagline, catapulted commission, because that that took my income into the stratosphere from what it had been, because that same gentleman who I met with started to call his whale friends and colleagues and say, talk to this guy. And I used the, the same method with them. I talked about their charitable giving, what they did. I didn't go in there and say, I got this product or this service or this thing. I I literally talked about how they they give back to the world and and those things are important to them and they're personally involved a lot of times. Man, that is taking rapport building to a whole new level cuz you are correct. There are sales quote unquote gurus right now that teach rapport building uh, you know, tell me about people, places, pictures, and it's a really, uh, I, if you've ever been, and I'm sure you have, where someone tries to build rapport with you, where they're not in depth, they're not genuine, it actually hurts. It's, it's, it's painful to watch. It's painful to yes. be a part of. I don't enjoy yes. the conversation. Honestly, Bob, I would have never thought, and I thought I knew everything in sales. This goes to show we don't know everything. I would have never thought to bring up charitable, charitable giving as a rapport building strategy. I love that, man. That is, that is genius. So 
Yeah, no. So I, I can see how that can be incredibly impactful because it does show what when you do something like that and you talk about charitable giving, it does two parts. One, it, you are absolutely correct. Everybody loves to talk about themselves. So I love the analogy of the Toby Keith video. Talk to me. Yeah, talk about, talk me. about me. Yeah, there you go. I want to talk about me. That's what it is. So I love that. I love that analogy because that is true. Everybody and everybody who's anybody who has a pulse at a certain point in time loves to talk about themselves, their story, their business, their experiences, etc. But you take it further and you allow this person to talk about their passion that is tied to the charitable giving. So one, you allow this person to talk, but two, it shows that you have a human element as well. And it desensitizes this stigma that exists with salespeople because salespeople have a stigma like, oh, you're here to sell me something. It's not that I'm necessarily here to sell you something. I mean, obviously, I mean, you know what I'm here for, but my goal is for you to see me as a human. And by building rapport, on something such as the charitable giving, it shows you that I'm a human, shows you I care about this appointment because I was willing to do the research. Now, whether you did it at the 10 minutes in the lobby or, or you've done it online or you did it before, that's irrelevant. It just shows you put the effort in. So I love that when you approach these whale opportunities that you're saying, okay, I'm going to be different than the next person. So I, I, I really, really dig that. So let, let's talk. One of the things that, that, that we, we had mentioned briefly be, before we went on air is this quid pro quo and, and how, how is it utilized in selling and what's the concept of it? Uh, can you do us a favor real quick? Can you explain the, the high level definition of quid pro quo? And can we talk about how that applies in the world of sales today? Absolutely, Anthony. Quid pro quo, um, and I, I'm not going to necessarily translate Latin, but quid pro quo is that if, if uh, you're the salesman and I'm the customer, that both of us equally benefit. We both have, there's mutual benefit to both of us. It's not a one-way relationship, okay? You're not getting something that just that you want or I'm not getting something that I want. That we're both, we both benefit. We both um, are, are um, made um, better in a sense from, from that. And, and, so quid pro quo to me in sales, um, I guess the easiest way to describe it and from my experience is, is, a, is a little story. And um, I worked for a public-private partnership um, in, in a business organization. We, and so we, we mainly sold um, services, but we also had some products. And um, there was a it was a hospital foundation that was one of our clients that was having an event and it was about clean rivers and things like that. And they were bringing in an actor who was um, a pioneer in the environmental movement. And I went to one of our other clients that was a credit union. And I said, I think you guys could really benefit from sponsoring this event. I didn't get any money from them sponsoring because they were really sponsoring an event for somebody else, not for my organization. And so the guy trusted me because we had that, we had a relationship where I was, I had always done right for him. I always made sure whenever I sold to him, he benefited too and his company benefited. So we, we, uh, we attend the event 
the actor couldn't have been a nicer person. And this guy got so much goodwill and so much great publicity and so much um, time spent on just talking about his company being the, the premier sponsor. So in that case, we all won because that led me to now be able to call on the credit union and, and, and when I needed something, when I needed a sponsorship, they, they knew that I, I, I wasn't just trying to sell a sponsorship. They knew I was going to do something that was they were going to be benefited to. That actor, he gave me his home address, his home phone number, his cell phone number, and his email. And he said, if you're ever in California, come see me. So that's a quid pro quo story in my experience. And I got countless ones like that, Anthony, because I made other people's needs and wants and, and benefit the, as important as my own. Hey, I wanted to take a quick minute and interrupt this episode. I hope you're enjoying what you have heard thus far. Have you heard the good news? The international best-selling book, Catapulting Commissions, has been named a 2021 Selling Power Magazine book recommendation. And I want to thank you, the Catapulting Commissions family. You can claim a free copy by texting hello to 661-228-8967. You can also find out more information at catapultingcommissions.com. Okay, let's get back to the show. You know, hearing that, one, one, it's an amazing story. I mean, I definitely think that there's so many lessons and nuggets to pull from there. But I like how you started it when you said a quid pro quo is mutually beneficial. It's It goes to the fact that when we're selling something and we're in the industry of, of sales and we, we have to sell something, you have someone has to pay for it, that's how we make a living. Those sales that are mutually beneficial where we both win are the best relationships and nobody ever walks away feeling like they were just sold, right? Nobody wants to walk away from your sales deal. Be like, ah, I, I just, I, I, I made a mistake. Um, I shouldn't have bought that, right? The buyer's remorse. It doesn't happen when both people are benefiting from the party. Likewise, you know, I, I've been in that position where I'm trying to, to negotiate to get a better deal. I want to, I want to be made to feel like I got a better deal. Does it have to be a better deal? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know all the fine print. I don't know the fine lining in some of these contracts or purchasing cars. I just want to feel that way. So sometimes it's about the salesperson making that prospect feel that way. So I, I like, I like how you go about it where, where that quid pro quo is, is I feel good. You feel good. I, I think that's, that that's a pretty fair assessment on how we should be selling not only now, but forever. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I, I think if, if you're trying to increase your commissions and things like that, that's probably the number one way to do it. Because if, if you sell people strictly by persuasion or emotion, um, at the time, they're all juiced up about it. But it's it's easy for buyer's remorse to set in when that wears off. When it, when you do something that's quid pro quo and mutually beneficial, then there there isn't buyer's remorse. They're actually happy to buy from you because you looked after their their um, needs and wants and and benefit 
just as, as much as you did your own. And so they see that you're not just trying to fit something into that, you know, make them uh, want something or, or need something. You're, you're literally looking out for what's important to them. And then they'll come to you and say, you know, I, I want, I want to do this with, I want to do that. I, I, I sold so many sponsorships from, from that one thing that I, I told, suggested a guy sponsor something from an, another organization that had nothing to do with me. Um, from then on, I was like, I couldn't have been um, more appreciated. I mean, he, he would volunteer stuff like, hey, you got this big thing coming up. You need a sponsor. You need this. <laughs> so that's mutually beneficial. Fair enough. Totally agree with you on that one. I, I I love it. I love it. All right, Bob, we got a few minutes here. So I want to, I want to go over a few, few things here in, in your career. If you wouldn't mind, can you talk us about the top one or two mistakes you've made and what you did the next time and mistakes in terms of like your sales career deals you lost or things you wish you would have done differently? I, I've I've made plenty of mistakes in a 25 year career, Anthony. You you make a lot of them. You step in a lot of stuff. But um, I I think um, the times when I've let my emotions get to me, and um, I I made it a uh, I made a deal with a a very well known organization, and um, the guy kind of reneged on the deal. And he said, I'm not going to give it to you for that price. I'm like, I, in this case, I was purchasing, but it was a sales situation because it was for me to purchase an event at his place for a certain price. And he came back and he said, that, that price is too low. I'm not going to give you that price. And I was uh, emailing what I thought was a colleague. And I sent an email to that guy saying, called him a weasel. And so he instantly responds and says, Bob, what is this? And I had to own up to it. And he, he honored his deal and everything. We went, we went through with it at the higher price, but uh, that was, you know, that that's foolish because I, I let my emotions get to me and that could have cost me a lot. That could have, um, you know, that was a tremendous event that we had at his, at his facility. And, um, I've, like I said earlier, I think a lot of my mistakes have come when I thought too much about a situation, when I worried about, oh, I, I spilled soup on my shirt. I can't go talk to somebody or, um, or when I did try and uh, do something that was outside of me and my, and my authenticity. And I tried to be that, that, oh, I'm just going to persuade you into submiss submission and not be the, the, the quid pro quo the guy that that's, you know, so those are the types of uh, things that have caused me to make mistakes. I've made a lot of them. Um, but at the same time, they, they're oftentimes uh, great teaching points. And uh, when you lose money, you don't want to make the same mistake twice. That is true. Truer than true. When mistakes cost money, you'll never make them again. So, uh, Bob, you are, uh, Oh, give me one more. So I got to pull one more out of you. I got the first mistake. Give me another one. What can my audience learn from you? So I, I think I've at times when I was selling cars in particular, 
I was motivated by a bonus in that world. Sometimes they call them spiffs, where they put cash in an envelope and stuff. And I did literally try to force a car on people because they put, they said, this is the oldest car in the lot. And we got $500 extra over and above your commission to anybody who sells the oldest car in the lot. So I, everybody who came in the dealership, I saw, I showed them the oldest car in the lot and I tried to force it on somebody. And then I eventually that day sold that car, but it came back to bite me because that customer had nothing but problems and that $500 became a nightmare and it wasn't worth it. But because I was so motivated by the $500 bonus, I, I put somebody in a car that they shouldn't have got into. Yeah. I think, I think sometimes we, we sell what we want to sell, not versus what the customer uh, would need or benefit from. So that's definitely a lesson I think catapulting missions family you could take from from Bob here is we're not designed. We we shouldn't be selling what we want to sell. We should be selling what's going to be the solution to the problem we've identified with our customer, whether it's a car, uh, whether it's real estate, whether it's timeshare, whether it's business to business service, medical sales, there's a problem that your product sell that, that your product solves. And that's what you should be selling. So Bob, we are going to wrap up here, but one of the things we talked about is you're building in and you're building and you're expanding, bringing your tutelage out to helping others. So if someone wants to be working with you, what can they expect from working with you, Bob? Well, they can expect a guy that's going to be like he's been in this, in this uh, podcast. I'm a guy who, who believes wholeheartedly in quid pro quo. Um, I, anybody I would work with, I, I want them to benefit. I don't want them to have buyer's remorse. I want them to be happy. Not only that, um, like I've been willing to give up secrets that I've learned in a 25 year plus career of sales. I, I'm always going to teach the things that maybe aren't taught in, in most trainings, like the charitable giving and, those kind of things. So you, you're going to get a guy who's uh, who's going to be your champion, and uh, a guy who who loved who's you know sold. He's not just he doesn't just write books about it or anything like that. Has all kinds of in the field sales experiences and uh, has had great victories and and great um, defeats in sales and uh, and and has done it for a long time. So that's the kind of guy you're going to get. Good, Bob. Well, I definitely think that's the type of person that my audience should be working with. Uh, I'm a big, big believer. If you're taking sales advice from someone who hasn't sold or hasn't been in the field or isn't in the field, you need to reevaluate that because truly the art of sales it happens. It's evolving. It's changing. We're in the field. We're in the streets. It's hand-to-hand -hand combat sales. And so once you develop that experience, that is such a valuable resource to share back and give with the audience. And that's exactly what Bob is doing. Uh, Bob, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Anthony. It's, it's been wonderful. Catapulting Commissions family, I'm going to leave the link in the show notes for Bob on his LinkedIn, his Facebook, so you can get connected with Bob. If you have any questions, you can reach out directly to Bob. I'll put all those links in the show notes below. Also, do me a favor, go follow him, connect with me on social media, comment, subscribe, like, etc. As always, don't forget to claim your free copy of Catapulting Commissions. Text hello to 661-228-8967. Catapulting Commissions family, I will see you next week.
Catapulting Commissions family, that does it for today's episode. If you found some value, please be sure to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. Don't forget to subscribe. That way you're notified of new episodes. If you want to see the video portion of this podcast, head over to YouTube and look up Catapulting Commissions Podcast. Finally, if you want a free copy of Catapulting Commissions, be sure to text the word HELLO to 661-228-8967. Again, text the word HELLO to 661-228-8967. Thanks for listening to the show. I'll see you next week.